0: Welcome to the sermon audio podcast of Hill Country Bible Church Georgetown, the podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. What's up church family, how y'all doing? Y'all doing good? Y'all excited to be here? Awesome. Hey, I'm excited that y'all are here. Online church fam as well. Glad you're here wherever you are here in the world tuning into Hill Country. So I know what y'all are thinking. He owns pants. I get it. Yep. 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 I know. I know. Here, here it is. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, for those of y'all that are new, I don't wear pants ever. I wear pants. Uh, shorts. Shorts. Uh, but so I went out to Hill uh, to uh, uh, Sun City this morning, and, and Mike Mike is is kind of presenting me, and he's like, "There's a happening coming." Troy's in pants and Sun City just, they lost it. And so, and then Nathan in the back said, you look like you're going to go golf. So yes, I own pants. I, I, I own these things. Um, but it's, it's a little bit different to be wearing these today. Anyways, we're going to get into the lesson today. So we're talking about about fear, right? We've been going through this, this series called Hijacked and today is fear. I'm excited to talk to you all about that. But before I do, um, I have to give you all kind of an, a life update uh, for the Robinson family. Y'all are my church family. And so I want to kind of bring y'all into to my little world. So for those of y'all that don't know, my wife and I are expecting baby number two, so we're excited about that. Woo, woo. Yeah, we're, we're excited about that. God has, has blessed us with baby number two. We're excited to meet him or her in early to late March, um, but it's funny that we're speaking on this topic specifically that, that uh, Pastor Brian gave me this one because Ashley and I, we are fearful, right? The, the first reason we're fearful is because right now we're playing double coverage on Ainsley. Right? So if Angel needs something, like I can get up to get her or Ashley can get up to get her, right? But pretty soon we're going to be playing man-to-man, and then sometimes, y'all, we're going to be playing zone defense. And that is scary, uh, but we know that God's provided us a little baby boy or girl, and so we're going we're gonna to do just fine with that. But the other reason, the more serious reason why we're fearful is because a couple of months ago, I, I shared a word um, over being zealous for the Lord. And I, and I shared with y'all a personal story about Ashley's first birth and how it was traumatic, Right, she was she was bleeding a lot. She had to go into the OR. We didn't know what was happening. I didn't know if she was going to come out of that or not. She did thank the Lord that they had good nurses and doctors to help her. Yeah, you know, but that fear is still in our minds, right? We still talk about that. Like, how are we going to deal with this? What if this happens again? What can we do differently? And so that fear is still in the back of our minds. But we know that we have a mighty God who's going to protect Ashley and the new baby. But if you if you find time for a second. Please be praying for Ashley specifically because of this fear is is in our minds. But if you're new to Hill Country for the first time today or or maybe you've missed a a sermon or two in this series, I just want to do a quick recap. That way we can kind of all get on the same page. So the first week of the the series uh, hijacked, Pastor Brian basically did like an overview of what we're going to be talking about. His main point is that we all monitor our behavior. Right, so when we go into a job interview, we put on our best. Our, we put on our best face. When we we meet a new group of people, we put on our best self. When we go and we we start wanting to court a a, a lady or a, a guy, we put on our best self. That way, they like us back. Right. So we all monitor our behaviors in one way or another. The next week, we talked about guilt and how guilt can reside deep down inside of us, and, and Pastor Brian said, we are all guilty, but thank Jesus for coming down and saving us from our sins. We are not condemned. That next week, we talked about envy, and we heard from Solomon about how it's like chasing the wind. Envy is like chasing the wind. We can never see it, and we're never going to grab it, right? Right? And so it's like having a, a, a battle in our mind with somebody in our life, and they don't even know that battle is going on. It brings anxiety, it brings stress, and it doesn't bring anything good, envy. And then last week we talked about anger and how anger is rooted in not getting our way. And I don't know if y'all remember this, but do y'all remember Pastor Brian had us repeat, I'm angry because I'm not getting my way. Do y'all remember that? you remember that? So I got to use that this week. Ashley and I were, were in an intense conversation about something. It was, it was really, really dumb. We don't even remember what it was. But in that moment, I remember Pastor Brian saying, hey, yell out, I'm angry because I'm not getting what I want. And I did that, and Ashley looked at me, and then I smiled and then we laughed and we had a good time, right? But it, it, it worked, y'all. So if you're angry with somebody, go try it. I'm not going to say it's going to work for you. Maybe that will escalate the situation, but it worked for me. But we talked about anger is rooted in not getting our way. And so today we're talking about fear. But this whole series is, is rooted in this, pa- this passage of Scripture in Matthew 15, verses 17 through 20. It says this. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Y'all so here Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of the of of, of the Jewish faith, right? And, and Jesus has kind of come come on and he's kind of shaking things up. Right, he's he's working on the Sabbath when they have strict rules not to work on the Sabbath. Him and his disciples are going through the field and picking things off the field and eating them without washing their hands. And these religious leaders are very upset and they don't know how to handle Jesus. And, And Jesus says, guys, just because you're eating with dirty hands, that is not what defiles you. But when you have these feelings of anger or angst or envy or fear or or jealousy or whatever, when you start to bubble up and then go to somebody, that is what defiles you. That is what defiles your character, not eating with dirty hands. And so we're going to jump into this next emotion that we're talking about, and that's fear. And, And so when you think of the word fear, when you think of fear in general, what do you think about? Now, some of us might go into childhood fears, right? Like the the monster in the closet, for instance. Like you're you're running into bed before your parents turn off the light. That way they don't grab your leg from underneath the bed. You ask mom or dad to check the closet one more time just in case that monster came in. Or maybe some of us here, myself included, I was bullied when I was in junior high. I was short, I was fat, I had braces and acne, I had nothing going for me. But it had stuff going for the other people, right? They got to pick on me. They got to joke with me. And so whenever I would walk, right before I'd walk into school, I would be nervous. I wasn't physically, you know, bullied, but I was verbally, and I was always scared to go in because somebody was going to say something. So maybe you've dealt with a childhood bully, right? Maybe we have a fear in our life that causes a physical reaction, like the fear of heights. Like maybe you're like, I am not even going on one step of that ladder because I could fall. Maybe you've been in a, a new small group or a new work group, and they want to go do team building at a ropes course, and you say, no, we're not. I'm not doing that. I'm afraid of heights. I don't want to do that. And that, that brings that angst where you just kind of shut down because you can't do it. Or maybe some of us are afraid of public speaking. You go into a new small group, a new work group, and, they, and someone's like, hey, let's just go around and t- say one fun fact about ourselves. And you're like, oh, no. And it starts to go, and they're, they're going around the circle, and you're like, oh, there's five left. Oh, there's four left, there's three, and you start to, to, to tense up. Y'all, you know, that's a physical reaction to fear, and, and that's okay. you know, when we hear the word fear, there's, there's usually a negative connotation with that, right? Like when we let the fear get out of, our, out of control, it, it starts to control our lives, right? We, we stay up at night, and we think about the things that could happen. Right? We, we let the anxiety and the stress come into our lives when we're walking into school or we're walking into work or we're walking down the road because you've been maybe bullied or, or laughed at in the past and you let that anxiety stress you out where you don't go and do those things because you're so fearful. You know, And that fear can cause that anxiety and stress to build and build and build and build. However, fear can also be a motivator to some people. Right? Like the fear of failure, for instance. If you have the fear of failure, it can motivate you to be a, a better dad or a better mom or brother or sister or cousin or aunt or uncle or, or coworker or employee, whatever it is. That can motivate you to do really great things. Right? Like in work, for instance, you're like, I've got to get this next certification. That way I can move up because I want to do good things for the company. Or, hey, I want to be a, a better husband, so I'm going to work a little bit later. That way can, we can bring in a little bit more money. That way we can, we can uh, establish our household a little bit better. And those are okay things. It's okay to have the fear of failure to motivate you in a good way. But sometimes we can overdo that motivation when we're afraid. Right? When we, when we are afraid and we've got to go to that next promotion and then that next promotion and that next promotion, y'all, eventually we start to idolize that next step. And when we idolize that next step, that keeps us at work longer, and we become workaholics. And when we we become workaholics, we leave our family beside. That way, we can grow in our career. So when it comes to fear, there are many different ways that we can look at it, right? We can live in the extreme of I'm not going to go do anything because I'm so fearful or the opposite, and I am so motivated that I'm not going to come home because I'm a workaholic. We can live in these extremes of fear. But however we look at it, when we live in those extremes, it can rob us of so many different things in our life. And so today, we're going to be looking at a situation that the disciples were in, and they were very, very fearful. So we're going to be going to Matthew 8, verses 23 through 27. So if your Bible's flipped there, if not, it'll be behind me. So Matthew 8, 23 through 27 says this. Then he, and that he is Jesus, then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So, most of us in this room have probably heard this story a dozen times. Right? like we've we, As soon as I said, he and the disciples get in the boat, you're like, yep, I know where that's going. The storm's coming. He's going to rebuke the waves. Yep, got it. I know exactly what's going on. You know, and we've probably even used the King James Version, ye of little faith, in our lives as well. Right? You're with a buddy or with a friend, and they're like, you're not going to do it. Ha-ha, <laughs> ye of little faith. Check this out. Right? You're at, or you're at work, and they're like, you've got a deadline. There's no way you're going to make it. You of little faith, watch me. Right, so we know this story, we, we've memorized this story almost, but today I want to dive in deeper to this story. It's a tiny, tiny section of scripture, but there's a lot of, well, there's a lot of powerful truths here in this section. And, and I want you to think about your fear. Right? Every single person in this room has the fear of something. It could be an illness that you don't quite know what's coming your way, or maybe it's financial struggles, or maybe you have a situation with a parent or a sibling or whatever that you're dealing with. We all have the fear of something. And so what I want you to do while we're going through this, this sermon, I want you to think about your fear, and I want you to put your fear in this situation, right? And by the end of this sermon, by the end of this truth that Jesus gives us, I hope, I hope, I hope that you can put your fear into this and realize that God is bigger than the fears that you face. And so we're going to dive in um, today. And so we're going to go to Matthew eight twenty three. It says this, then he, and that's Jesus, got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Now, in order to know this whole story, we have to know what's going on in Jesus's ministry, right? When we see the word then, that means something happened, then they're doing something else, right? And so we've got to go back into the story. So we're going to go rewind a little bit into, or I guess rewind is this way on y'all's end. Rewind in early Matthew, okay? So in early Matthew, Jesus presents the Sermon on the Mount, Nathan, that's a picture behind me. So the Sermon on the Mount, this is roughly kind of the area where the Sermon on the Mount took place, and I'm a visual learner, so I like to see where things happen. So this is roughly where Jesus was, and so Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, you know, and Jesus is preaching hope, he's preaching wisdom, he's preaching guidance, he's preaching correction, and he's preaching about the coming of the new kingdom. And people during the Sermon on the Mount walk for miles just to be able to see him. And thousands and thousands of people come just to hear a little glimpse of what Jesus has to say. And and they're they're there and they're listening to Jesus and they're having these aha moments and these wow moments of what Jesus is saying. y'all. And the best part about the Sermon on the Mount are people are putting their faith in him for salvation. So Jesus is starting this movement here at the Sermon on the Mount. You know, And right in the middle, right in the middle of this sermon, the disciples have a front row seat to what's going on. They get to watch the Savior of the world preach these truths and tell these people about him and what he's come here to do and how he's come here to save them. And as they're watching him, they also get to turn to the audience and they get to see the audience's faces and and see tears and see people going, wow, this is awesome. And I believe in you, Jesus, for salvation. So they get a a front row seat to what's going on. They have the best seat in the house, y'all. And then after the Sermon on the Mount, they also have a backstage pass to Jesus, right? They get to go backstage with him after the Sermon on the Mount, They they give him a high five, they give him a fist bump, they wrap him up in a hug, and they say, Jesus, what did you mean when you said that? And Jesus, please explain this to me. And wow, did you see these people put their faith in you? Jesus, you're awesome, right? They got to have backstage pass right to the Messiah, and they got to see him do those amazing things. And then after the Sermon on the Mount, he, he moves on a little bit and he goes and he, he runs into this person who has leprosy and he heals that person with leprosy. And again, the disciples are right there. And then they move a little further and a little bit closer. They go to Peter's mother-in-law who has, who has a fever and Jesus goes and heals her as well. And so they get to witness that also. And then a little bit later, Jesus runs into a couple of guys and they ask, hey, how do I follow you? And he says, this is the cost of following me. But every single step of the way the disciples are with Jesus watching him do this and hearing what he has to say. So Sermon on the Mount, he heals a couple people. He tells people the cost of following him. Now we're back at the boat and they start to sail. And that brings me to main point number one, which is trust Jesus and go. Right? Jesus says, hey, we're moving on. We're going somewhere else now. And the disciples could have been scared right? They're like, Jesus, we, we just have thousands of people right here, put their faith in you. Shouldn't we stay here and like disciple them and, and teach them more? Or Jesus, what if we don't know exactly where we're going? Why would we go over there? What's in store for us? Y'all, you know, but they didn't have those reservations. They didn't have those fears. They got in the boat and they went. So when you're fearful, y'all you know, go to Jesus, trust Jesus and go. And now there's going to be another picture behind me. This is the Sea of Galilee. This is the sea that they're on. It's a big lake, right? And again, a visual learner. I wanted to know where they were. And so these stats that I'm about to give you are going to make sense here in a second for the the story, right? We're going to be doing a story view of this. And so the stats of the Sea of Galilee is the Sea of Galilee is 13 miles long. 13 miles long. It's 8 miles wide. And in the deepest part, it's 150 feet deep. And with the Sea of Galilee, it's 690 feet below sea level, and it's surrounded by mountains. And so, when we're reading about this storm, y'all, storms can sometimes come out of nowhere, right? So they come over the over the mountains, and they they come out of nowhere. So remember that here in a second. But we're back to the boat. They had just gotten the boat, and they're sailing. And sailing to these guys is nothing new, right? A lot of these guys were fishermen prior to following Jesus, so they had been on a boat their whole life. They had been on the South Sea of Galilee fishing this area, so they know it. Y'all, when they walked onto the boat, I bet some of them said, man, I'm home. I love the land, but, man, I'm ready to go back on the sea, right? And, and they had done this forever, but this trip was different, right? Before, they had cargo of fish, Right, so they would pull fish up, they would put it on their boat, and they would, they would take it to the market or wherever they took it to sell it. Yeah, but this trip was different. They had the most precious cargo they've ever carried on this boat. You know, they had the savior of the world on this boat. And so I, I, can, I can bet because I'm a, I'm a man, right, there's a little bit of a pride, a little bit of confidence, I've got this, Jesus is on the boat, I'm going to get him where he needs to go, I'm his disciple, I've got this. But I can guarantee because I'm also a man, I also have fear. There was a little bit of fear inside of them, going, what happens if we wreck? What happens if we don't do our full check and there's a hole in the boat that we don't see and we start to get water and we drown? What happens if I don't get the savior of the world to his next location? So with that in mind, they still went, right? They trusted Jesus and they went, which brings us to verse uh, 24. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. So who, here we are, we're getting further into the story. And so, but from verse 23, where they stepped in the boat, to verse 24, where they're sailing across the Sea of Galilee, we don't get a timeline. We don't know how much time has gone, gone past since They got into the boat to when the storm arrived. So I'm going to read into this story a little bit, right? But I'm going to guess that they didn't just push off the dock and the storm came, right? Because if they just pushed off the dock and the storm came, they could have just gone back to the dock, right? If they were close to the shore, they could have just gone to the shore, right? But I'm guessing where we had those stats, right? They're way out in the middle. They're close to the deepest part of the sea, and they're in this storm because the waves are big. But this is nothing new, again, for these guys, right? They had dealt with storms prior to, ha- to following Jesus. They had been fishermen, they had been through storms, and they had handled those storms. Now, but this storm was different. This storm had the disciples full of fear. No, but Jesus wasn't afraid. And look at the end of verse 24. It says this, but Jesus was sleeping. Which brings me to main point number two, which is take time away. We're about to get a glimpse on just how fearful the disciples were um, during the storm, but we we need to look at our perfect example. I want to tell you, Jesus was not scared during this storm, but Jesus is our perfect example of how we should weather the storms, right? And so Jesus took time away. He was sleeping. But why was he sleeping? Why did Jesus need to sleep? Well, I'm glad that you asked. The first reason, right? I guess you're forced to ask that. Um, The first reason I think he was tired was because he had just done amazing work. He had spoken to thousands of people. He had healed people. He was bringing the disciples in every single day to to disciple them and to to tell them the truths and to teach them how to go out and tell people about him. So he was tired because of that. He was also taught, or he also trusted because he knew that God the Father was going to get him there, right? He was going to he was going to get there because God the Father sent him that way, and he had trust. So that's why that's why he was doing that. But he needed sleep, like I said, because he was teaching all of these people. You know, we, we go though, but, but Jesus was fully God. Like why why did he need sleep? Well, Jesus was also fully man, and Jesus went through the same things that we do, right? Like exhaustion. He had stress, he had temptation, and so Jesus had all those things that we deal with, so he had to sleep because of that. But the most amazing part of this small little section of Scripture, but Jesus was sleeping, is this. Jesus knew long before he stepped on the boat that the storm was coming. He knew long before he was even coming down to this earth that a storm was coming, that he was going to be in the boat with his disciples. He knew that was coming. y'all. But Jesus didn't let the thought Of a storm coming, stop him from going where God had called him to go. Now, we're not Jesus, right? We don't we don't necessarily get next Wednesday, there's a storm. We don't get that, right? But we get the the choice, we get the choice of how we react to when a storm comes. And so I I suggest when a storm comes, you take time away and you rest with Jesus. Verse 25 continues on, says this, The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. So back to the story. These guys are fishermen. They had done this before. They had seen storms come before. How do you think they reacted when the f- storm first came? I bet they were like, oh, there's a storm coming. We've got to turn our, our sails this way. We've got to get in this way. I don't know if sailing, so I'm not going to give you any terms, but then we've got to turn the boat this way. We've got to go this way. We can read the water. We can read what it's doing. We've got to do this. Y'all, so I bet when the storm first came, they had confidence. I bet I've got this. Jesus is in the boat. He's asleep. I want to get him to where he needs to go. So they fought the storm early on, but eventually the storm got out of hand, and so they called for him which brings me to main point number 3 which is go to Jesus. Right? We've got to go to Jesus when we have storms in our life, y'all. We can fight the storms by ourselves, but that gets us nowhere. We've got to go to him because he is bigger than that. Y'all, the disciples figured out when they weren't going to fight the storm good enough that they had to go to him. Now, do you think the disciples knew how Jesus was going to handle the storm? No. They didn't know how Jesus was going to handle the storm. He had preached to the thousands. He had had done miracles in front of them, but they didn't know how Jesus was going to handle a literal storm. They had no idea. There's no way that he could do that. And doesn't that sound a lot like us? Even though we know the story, even though we know he handles the storm, doesn't that sound like us? Like we don't trust him to handle the storm? Like I've got this, Jesus. I can handle my own storm or man, I'm just really embarrassed. I got myself into the storm. I, I can't ask Jesus for help because why would he? Think about your life for a second. Think about all the storms that you've gone through. Maybe it's 10 storms. Maybe it's 50 storms, 100 storms, A 1,000 storms that you've been through. We all go through them, right? We got small storms that we can handle on ourselves. But we got those really huge, big, amazing storms in our life that when they hit, we think we're going to drown. And out of those storms, how many did you fight alone, right? Maybe you were embarrassed to ask for help. Like this series says, maybe you had guilt inside so you couldn't go anyone because you didn't want anyone to judge you to help you through that storm. Maybe you had anger towards the only person that could help you through these storms. You know, we've all been there, right, including myself. We have gallons of water coming into our boat, gallons of water coming in, and you've got a teaspoon trying to throw it back. Right? You're overwhelmed, you're overwhelmed and you can't get it through. You know, but luckily for us, we have Jesus just like the disciples did. You know, we have a, a God, we have Jesus who cares about our storms. You know, we have a God, Jesus, who is bigger than our storms. Which brings me to Matthew 8, 26. He, and that's Jesus again, replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Y'all, let that sink in for a second. Jesus, the Savior of the world, goes, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Y'all, Jesus is saying, where's your trust in me? Y'all, he wasn't mad that the disciples woke him up, but he was disappointed that they didn't trust that he was going to get them through this storm. And as I studied for this, this this sermon series and this sermon specifically, I, I came across an excerpt that I want to read with you from our, our Tony Evans, my Tony Evans Bible, and says this, and it kind of hit me right here. Jesus rebuked the winds and the sea to calm the storm, and he rebuked the disciples for their little faith. He wanted to expand their understanding of him and their trust in him. As a result of what he did, the disciples were amazed at Jesus' lordship over creation suggesting they hadn't fully known who was in the boat with them. The storms and the trials of life are designed to give you a bigger view of God and a more precise understanding of who Jesus is. Now watch this, this is where it hit me. The size of your faith is ultimately tied to the size of your God. Whoa. In this moment, Jesus knew the storm was coming. He knew that it was going to overpower the disciples and he knew that he was going to have to calm the storm. Y'all, Jesus just wanted the disciples to trust that he was bigger than the circumstance they found themselves in. Jesus knew they were going to make it through the storm the entire time. He got on the boat knowing the storm was coming. All the disciples had to do was trust that Jesus was going to make a way. Which brings us to verse 27, which is the disciples' reaction of what Jesus had just done. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, can you imagine what the disciples were thinking after that? They had just seen Jesus preach to thousands of people who gave their life to him. They had seen him do miracles of healing. They heard about the cost of following him. He had just rebuked the winds and the waves, and he rebuked them as well. And then the waves were calm. Now, what a day! What a day that they were living in. They had just witnessed one of the biggest miracles in human history. Do you think they knew how to comprehend what just happened? No, right? It says right here, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Up until this point, I don't think the disciples knew who was in the boat with them. Which brings me to main point number four. Jesus is God. Y'all, the disciples had God in the boat. Let me say that again. The disciples had God in the boat. Y'all, Jesus is God in the flesh. He has has the power to heal the sick. He has the power to give the blind their sight. He has the power to resurrect people from the dead. Y'all, he has the power to calm the seas and the waves. Y'all, he has the power to give us salvation when we believe in him. The disciples didn't know how powerful Jesus was then. They sure did after the storm. Which brings me to my question of the hour. Do you know Jesus? Do you know the man who calmed the seas? If you do, what storms or fears, we're going to make this interchangeable, what storms or fears have you been fighting alone? Maybe you've got that relationship that you need to mend or or it's it's toxic and unhealthy. Maybe there's financial stress in your life that you're like, I don't know how I'm gonna make next month's rent or, or mortgage payment. Maybe you've got a secret sin that you're fighting and you don't want anybody to find out. You know, what fears, what storms in your life are you going through? And brother and sister in Christ, if you believe in Jesus for salvation, know he is bigger than that storm. While you're trying to battle alone, Jesus is in the boat with you. Trust him. Y'all says he's in control in John 16, This is Jesus speaking. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, Jesus tells us we're going to have trouble in the world. Jesus tells us storms are coming, right? But well, we've got to remember that he is through them all. I'm speaking to you that don't know Jesus. For these of you that are new to church or or haven't put your faith in Jesus or have questions about believing in him, are you tired of fighting the storms alone? Jesus doesn't want your fears. He doesn't want the storms in your life to cripple you. He doesn't want the storms or the fears in your life to rob you of your self-worth. He doesn't want the fears or the storms in your life to be your master. In fact, he wants the complete opposite. He tells us we need peace. All we have to do is believe in him, and he's just waiting for you to, knock, or to, to answer the door. So I'm going to close with this. No matter where you are in life, no matter your financial situation, no matter where you live, no matter where you work, no matter how good or bad your kids are, every single one of us is going to fight a storm. That's just going to happen. Jesus tells us that's going to happen. But when the storm comes, it's up to us on how we respond to that storm. Are you going to fight it with your own power? Or are you going to rely on his? That choice is up to you. And I, I pray that you have the courage to ask him for help. Now, before I, I pray, we have prayer partners that always come up um, after, after the, the service. Um, I want to say that if you're going through a storm, or if there's a fear in your life that you like don't want to tell anybody, but you really need prayer, please come up to these prayer partners. Y'all, they don't go and tell anybody. They don't go run off and like judge you about it. They just want to pray over you because they love you so stinking much, right? An online church family go to, "I, I need prayer, I need prayer card. Give that to us because we want to pray over that. But please come up to these guys because the fear in your life needs prayer, right? And prayer has amazing power. And I also want to say, if you've never put your faith in Jesus... If you've got the Holy Spirit kind of doing work for the last couple of weeks or here today, please come to the prayer warriors or the prayer partners because they want to pray with you. If you put your faith in Jesus when you're sitting in the, the chair, you are saved. But we want, I want to have people come and pray over you and help you with your walk. So if you have any of those things, please come to the prayer warriors afterwards. Y'all, you know, Jesus is bigger than any storm. We just have to figure out how to respond. Call out to him and trust him because the way that he calms your storm might surprise you like it surprised the disciples. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for today, God, and just thank you for the time that we have to gather together as as brothers and sisters in Christ. God, fear is a thing. Fear is real. God, you told us we were going to have troubles in our life, um, so I want to pray over all the fears today. God, I, I pray that we trust you and we go. When you call us to go do something, to talk to that person across the street or, or pray for that friend or, or become a missionary or, or help out wherever. God, I pray that we trust you and that we go because you have made a plan and you've made a way for us to get there. God, I pray that when fears come and storms hit, we take time away. God, you slept because you needed sleep. You needed to recharge and you needed to re- uh, reconnect with God the Father. So I pray that when the storms come, we can take time away. God, I pray that uh, we can go to you whenever those storms hit, God. And I pray that we always, always remember that you are God and you are bigger than our storms. And I'm thankful for this congregation. I'm thankful for your son. Just thank you for everything you do for us. We love you, Lord, so, so much. At your name I pray, amen. All right, y'all, go out this week and know Jesus is bigger than your fears. Have a great week.